Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Robin. And this is... Home is where the murder is. Hello, Molly. Hey, Robin. You guys, Molly is totally on the struggle bus today, and it's my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> it's been a rough weekend for me. She only has one eye. <laughs> well, it's better today than it was yesterday, but there is something going on with my right eye, so you can call me left eye now. <laughs> She's just chasing waterfalls. I am, because the right eye literally is... It was leaking like a waterfall yesterday. I don't know what's going on with it. My husband's like, Google it. I'm like, I don't want to Google it because it's going to tell me that I'm dying. I diagnosed her. I think she has mono. Yeah. I. Who knows? It could be that. But I mean, it's like dry and itchy, scratchy. It's red. The skin around it is all like. She's just, really attractive. Oh, man. It's it's all like, it's like a rash around my eye. We were so, so I've just been lathering on like Vaseline on it. We were, it's been a while. We haven't seen each other for like a week because I yeah. was out of town. But I sat down at her table today and all of a sudden I look over at her and I'm like, what's wrong with your face? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Yesterday it looked like a thousand times worse. So yeah, well. it's much better today. So I went and did a lot of outdoor activities yesterday, and it was very hot yesterday. Let me tell you about the weather yesterday. Oh, it was hot. Even I have to say it was hot. It was a really hot, steamy one. So I had... Sounds like you're talking about shit. Ew. <laughs> it might as well have been a hot, steamy shit yesterday. That's what I felt like <laughs> with my eye. And I had like a migraine too. So I was like out in it yesterday with a headache and my eye issue going on and our son had t-ball and then I went to this event at a local like tavern Riley Tavern they had like this puppy event going on with like a rescue and oh my gosh the dogs I had to go and then I went to my nephew's um, um, baseball tournament and they won it so that was awesome but like the whole time, I am just struggling with my eyes. So I kept my glasses on. So I'm just sitting around. My sunglasses are on. I'm just sitting there with my eyes shut. I was like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> just like just like talking to people with my eyes shut. <laughs> just And I'm just like constantly wiping my one eye because it's just watering. And then I went grocery shopping afterwards. Was your eyes closed? Um, with my sunglasses on in festival foods <laughs> and I'm in my one so I was wearing one of those like um dress things that we have like it's like oh, one of yeah, those like, like those, uh, athletic dresses like the shorts that underneath? Yeah, with the shorts underneath so like it's like an athletic kind of sporty dress with my sunglasses on at like 6 30 at night at festival foods after the baseball tournament the guys are like talking to me there like there's all the single guys were out shopping at six thirty at night. Yeah, I know where I need to go. You sure do. This guy, I'm just down the aisle. He's like, "Hey, how are you doing?" I'm like, "Great, thanks. How are you?" <laughs> Isn't that the best when you look terrible? That I'm people... well, and, but I had my sunglasses on. Oh, so you looked hot. So I probably looked okay. Half I should have thrown down my sunglasses been like not real good sir how are you doing he would have seen like my infected eye (laughs) it's like oozing water just down my face and then like out of nowhere a worker literally it felt like he came jogging around the corner he's like are you finding everything i'm like yeah i'm good i'm like Sir, I've been to a grocery store many times before. I'm doing great. Thank you, though. I'm like, I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to get I'm home. I'm telling you, those athletic dresses are dangerous. They sure they are. They attract the men. I'm like, I need to get out of I here. I used to wear mine at the, the Dells, and my mom legit told me, so the Wisconsin Dells, she told me I'm not allowed to wear it there anymore because the men would just, just they would pounce. So if you're looking for a dude... Get one of them um, athletic dresses off of Amazon or Halara or whatever. And, uh, yeah, you'll have a new husband by the end of the week. Yeah, I, I'm like, I need, I need to get out of Festival Foods right now. And I did. And I got home and I took a shower. And then I sat up working on this murder. Oh, good. And let me tell you, though, last night we got some rain. And yeah. I was so happy. You guys, she sent me a picture of her feet in the rain. I was standing with our patio door open, just looking at the rain with my one eye. Because <laughs> I could only see out of one eye. <laughs> just staring at it the best I could. <laughs> it's the best. 
the one eye thing gets me every time. So yeah, Molly's doing good, guys. It's better today. It's still like blurry, but <laughs> it's better. Yeah. Yeah. Now you look fine. I don't. Anyway, <laughs> so that's Molly's recap. Um, I was just going to tell everybody that I went to Michigan last week yeah. for a real estate conference. And we got a good chunk of new listeners out of that because I told absolutely anyone who would listen about our podcast. And anyone that didn't want to listen didn't didn't care. I think at one point I chased a guy down because he wanted nothing to do with me and I could not take that. New idea. Wear an athletic dress and advertise. Murder on the front? Yeah. Mm Want to hear about murder? By the time I left the convention, so it was like three days long, maybe four. I can't really remember how long I was there. Four, I think. I don't remember. That there's Sunday left Thursday. Yeah, that's that's it. Um, so by the time I left it, I remember I had a glass of wine in my hand and I walked out the door and some guy goes, Don't be murdering people and I turned on like, You're dumb. And then I left. And yeah. I was like, That is how you leave it. You're like, Well, note. I've done what I needed yeah. to do here. But I was just like, Yeah. And I, and, I, and then the next morning I woke up I'm like, Well, that was the opposite of what you're trying to do with your murder podcast, Robin. But I get so, it's just so annoying when people say those stupid one-liners over and over again. Oh, you have a murder podcast. So many people have you murdered. You're like, I, none yet, but I sure know no, how to do it yeah. if they need to. They like really wouldn't get on my list if I were you. Yep. So, but yeah, that was good. We, uh, I met a lot of good realtors, passed along the podcast information. So got some advice on some marketing tools. So Hopefully, this is going to continue to grow as it is, and we appreciate all of you for constantly listening. What is that? Oh, it's it's your dog. (laughs) dog. Um, We appreciate all of you listening and supporting our show because uh, we wouldn't be doing any of this if it weren't for... Well, no, we'd still be doing it. We just won't have any listeners, but... It'd be pointless. Pointless, but it'd make us feel good. Oh, my God. Is that your... Is that Dakota? It's just Charles. Oh, okay. I thought the dogs are with us today. They're murder dogs. They're murder dogs. So I'm going to just go ahead and give our sponsor a quick shout out, uh, Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Aaron is a licensed mortgage broker in the state of Wisconsin and the state of Minnesota. If you are looking to refinance or buy a home, please be sure to reach out to Aaron Schmitz again at Epic Mortgage. His contact information is on our website, Facebook, Instagram, and in the show notes. That is that. Yeah. He's the best. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate it. Oh, he's the greatest. So I don't know about you, but I am really ready for this murder. Well, I was up with my one eye working on this last night. Um, I took a cue from you from last week, and I was like, well, let's see what this uh, Snapped show has to offer. It's good. There's a lot of uh, homed, home, homed, homed murders. It's funny. A lot of people get murdered in their homes. Isn't that? And, well, and it's, yeah. It's, that's part of why this whole podcast started. But I watched Snapped and I feel like everyone is in a dang murder. Okay. We got, Sorry. We Charlie got, needs to come in the tent. We got just let me just let tent. Charlie come in. If you're going to come in. Come on. This is. Just real this quick. This is great. You, you okay. Pro- everybody's probably hearing it's fine. it's fine. Just really quick, guys, Charlie. We just let a Sheltie in our tent. There's a Sheltie in the no, murder tent. No, my favorite tent. part is that when we shut the zipper on and recording, people are like, yeah, these bitches are really in a tent. We're literally in a tent. <laughs> you going to sit and be a good boy for murder? Yes, he says he will. If he does that, that wheezing thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Charlie, we might have to kick you out. We'll see how you do. Okay, guys. Oh, wait, okay. that reminds me. Do other people, and I need people to okay. actually respond to this, like comment either um, on Facebook or, or Instagram or wherever we post this um, murder, but I need to know who has a voice for their dog because Molly and her husband and now me have voices for her do- their dogs. Oh, yeah. Each one has their own voice. And it's the funniest shit because we can have full-on conversations as the dogs. Oh, yeah. So I'm just curious if other people do that. Well, and if you don't use the right voice, it's no, I used not to, okay. I didn't use the right voice for Dakota once, and I thought Molly was going to end our friendship right then and there. Yeah. But do do the voices so that everyone can hear what voices you use for them. Hey, guys. That's Dakota's Dakota. kind of like Eeyore in yeah. a way. Chaz. Chaz. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I I'm, I'm, guess I'm going to be doing a murder with you guys tonight. I, I don't have anything prepared, though. I'd like to do a murder too. Who's that? That's Dakota. That's that is kind of Dakota. You're right. I want to do a murder, guys. What if we just did our hey whole guys. podcast like this? 
what if this is who we are now? No, do you promise. Be, do you want to be Charlie or, or, or Dakota? I'll be, I'll be, guys. I'll be Charlie. No, Charles. Charlie, you might have to. He says, I'm not sure what I'm he's, doing in this tent right now. He's really moving around. He is. He's like, this is exciting and new for me. Yep, he's trying to get out. Charlie. All right, I swear to God, we're we'll going to let, we're gonna let Charlie out of the tent, and then we're going to get started with yep. this murder. Charlie, you must leave. I swear. Or just Charlie. leave it open. Maybe he'll just yep. go out oh, on his own. Oh, he's sitting now. Okay. He's a good boy. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Let's do this. All right. So, yeah, let us know if you have um, voices for your dogs. Maybe cats, too. No, I, but I feel I like... I have a cat, and I don't have a voice for I was going to say, I don't feel like cats have much... They like, have resting bitch face. I don't yeah. feel like they need a voice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Today, we are going to be covering the murders of Mark and Dee Stepp. Okay. June 8th, 1988, Stillwater, Oklahoma, 6 a.m. Mitzi Wynn is woken by loud bangs from Francine Stepp saying that her parents have been murdered, so she calls the police. It doesn't take long for the police to arrive and lock down the scene. First responders make a protective sweep to make sure that the attacker or murderer is no longer there. While they're inside, down the hallway, they hear the alarm clock going off in the master bedroom, and it keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. It's there in the master bedroom where they find Mark Step laying on his back on the bed and D Step lying on the floor to the right. If you were looking at Mark, both were naked and both were dead. Ooh. Both Mark and D had been shot and stabbed. Ooh. Dee still had a large butcher knife coming out of her rib cage, and Mark had been shot right on the bed. Gross. While first responders were inside, neighbors had started to gather around outside, as you can imagine. Detectives started to also begin their initial questioning of the neighbors to see if anyone had seen or heard anything to get any information as soon and as quickly as possible that they could. They still had no idea who the suspects could be. They were thinking possibly it could be a burglary gone wrong. Burglary? Yep. Burglary? Burglary gone wrong. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Yep. Um, Stillwater was a nice neighborhood where a double homicide wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't a typical happening in Stillwater. Um, and Mark and Dee's wounds were considered kind of overkill since they were shot and also stabbed. Um, they were multiple shots and stab wounds too. It wasn't just like a shot and like stabbing. It was like multiple. Okay. So let's go back and learn a bit more about Mark and D. Mark Stanley was his middle name and Dolores June Stepp were both Navy veterans. And in 1979, they packed up and left Wisconsin with their nine-year-old daughter, Francine, to move to Stillwater, Oklahoma for a new opportunity. Mark was an instrument controlled technician for Oklahoma Gas and Electric Company. Mark's co-workers would describe him as a displaced hippie, meaning that he was laid back and didn't get too excited or overly worked up about too much. Dee was a little bit more type A. She was a supervisor at the university where she handled all of the state's money. She was one of the few women in this type of position, and she worked hard to be where she was. She could be seen as a little intimidating, but that could also be because that she was, as I wrote, a bad bitch, and she got the work done, and back in that time, it was scary for some people that a woman was in that position. Yes. So she basically, you know, was a woman in that time doing a position that mostly was a man's job, and people yeah. were like, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is this lady lady doing? <laughs> She's in her pantsuit. <laughs> Shoulder pads. Do it to handle in the monies. Oh my gosh. What? So, um, even though they seemed to be different, they really balanced each other well, and their friends and co-workers said they had a great relationship and they had a relationship that everyone kind of envied and wanted. Oh, that's great. So they worked really well together. Mark and Dee only had one daughter, Francine, who they loved with everything that they had. She was quiet, reserved, and polite and friendly. Even though Francine was a good kid overall, Mark and Dee used their time um, with the rules and discipline that they learned in the military and applied it to their parenting. Mm. So they were very controlling. They told her who she could be friends with, where she could go, and they expected a lot from Francine. Mm. Francine was somewhat awkward 
when she was younger, but as she got older and into her teenage years, she sort of started to blossom and attract the attention of young men. Ah. Yeah. Dee and Mark really didn't approve of who Francine was wanting to date or even be friends with, though. One of Francine's classmates, Cindy Mann, said that they did, like, the typical teenage stuff. Um, partying, alcohol, even some marijuana. Oh, I know. Watch out. Um, But it was the typical teenage stuff. It wasn't like they were into, like, the hard kind of. The cocaine. The cocaines and the. The heroines. The heroines. And, you know, they were just kind of partying. They were kids being kids. They were teenagers being teenagers. Yep. Uh, Francine kept going for the so-called bad boys, according to her parents, mainly. So Mark and Dee tightened up the rules even more and made her come home immediately after school each day. You know, that's why you just got to keep as much as you can from your parents. Growing up, no. No, no. Well, I mean, I get what you mean in a sense, but also like. I feel like it's like a give and take relationship. You got to give some trust to your parents, like to the parent. Like you have to be open with your parents, but I feel like parents also have to allow their kids to make mistakes too. Otherwise they're never going to grow. And like, this is not the right way to parent in my perspective, in my feelings, like let your kids make some mistakes. Like you cannot protect them. Yeah. Like, Come on, Mark. Come on, D. Well, I know. Well, that's yeah. Just, you know what like, I mean? Like, you know, goodness gracious. And, you know, there's zero respect between either of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I just I think, like telling your kid, like, right after school, you get home. You cannot be friends with this person. You cannot like, be friends with this person. It's funny because, like, if my mom back when I was a kid, or even now, said you can't be friends with somebody, I'd be like, okay, mom, I won't. And then I'd go right behind her back, and I'd be like, that's going to be my best friend. Well, you're like, I'm going to be friends with that person even more. Yeah, right. Like, you can't tell me no. Exactly. So well, I, and that's what a teenager is. I still have not yep. grown out of that phase. Right. I mean, you. That makes yeah. That's exactly but it. It makes you want to rebel makes me a more. Great businesswoman. Yeah, like you tell me I can't do that, I'm going to do it harder. Usually fail, but at least I say I tried. Yeah. So. But, yeah. So, since Francine was pretty much not allowed to date, pretty hard to date when you're having to come home immediately after school. It's like um, uh, fourth grade dating where you are in a relationship with someone, but but you you don't don't ever see them them outside of the school. Right. Yeah. So, she started spending most of her free time with her best friend, who was her next door neighbor, Cindy Wynn. Where Francine was described as nice, quiet, and reserved, Cindy was the opposite oh. of Francine. Cindy liked to be the center of attention. Oh, my God. Me too. She made sure that, you know, if she walked into the room and all eyes weren't on her, they were on her. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Does that sound familiar? That is so me. What? That's like when I walk into the grocery store, you just put your glasses on and you just want to get through there. I'm like, hello, everyone. Robin is here. You're like, hi, I have an athletic dress on, too. <laughs> oh, everybody look at me. I'm oh. going to do a cartwheel. Uh, yes, that yep. is 100% what I would do. Yep. So, um, yeah. During their senior year, Francine would sometimes sneak out of the house with Cindy to go and party. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. During their senior year, too. I mean, ooh, ooh right? So they're basically, you know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, let's. You're an adult at that you're point. You're basically like, an adult yeah. at this point. They were probably, they were 17, almost 18 at this point. In the summer of 1988, D got a promotion at work. Mark was still working at the electric company, and they were considered upper middle class at this point. So nice. they were. Living that dream, that American dream. They were doing well. They were feeling good. Francine graduated in 1988 and enrolled in classes at Oklahoma State University, and her parents got her a Camaro to congratulate her. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean... I didn't get no damn Camaro when I graduated. My parents were just happy that I graduated. I know. So, I was watching the Snapped Up episode on this, and one of um, Francine's classmates, it was a guy... The guy came on. He's like, "Yeah, Francine got this Camaro," and all the guys were like, "We all love that car." Yeah, like right? they were all like, "It was like a '67, '68 Camaro." Damn. Like they were like, "It was a car that like everyone." I liked. seriously think I got like a high five. Like, who yeah. didn't think you'd get this far? Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was really cool. But shortly after her graduation is when tragedy struck, and she found her parents dead. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, part. so because it happened June eighth. So. Oh wow, shit. Yeah. Yeah, shit. That's yeah. Oh, wow. Not oh, only shit. are you gonna be an adult, but also you're gonna be an adult without any parentals at all. That's yeah. Tough. Yeah. It's hard to think in this tight 
tight-knit community who could do something like this, stabbing someone that many times. Police then took Francine to the police station for questioning, as they would, because she was the one that found her parents. Yep. They had a hard time getting any sort of useful information from her, considering what she had just seen and how she had found her parents. She was in total shock and was very overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. According to Francine, she had just spent the night before at Cindy's new apartment. They had hung out that night and got home early that morning. And when she got home back to her parents' house, the door was slightly open. When she walked in, she heard the alarm clock going off down the hall in her parents' bedroom. So she walked down the hallway, went to the bedroom and saw the scene, and then went running over to her neighbor's house. Wow. In the home, investigators try to figure out what might have happened. It seems that shots were fired from the bedroom door since Mark was shot and was on the bed still. Then they think that Dee got out of the bed, ran around to try to either help Mark or, you know, maybe run out of the room. And that is where she maybe fought with the attacker and then she got stabbed. And then at some point, Mark also got stabbed. Since they could find no sign of forced entry or any other way that someone could have broken in, they thought this probably was not a robbery, though. They also searched the home, and it didn't seem like anything was in the home was disturbed, and nothing seemed to be missing. Okay, interesting. Another thing to consider was the brutality of this murder. There were multiple stab wounds, especially um, since the person had a gun and they were shot. Why would this person also be stabbing? This did not seem like a random killing. They never found the gun, but they did find spent twenty two caliber shells in the room. There were also holes above the bed that appeared to be from the tail- twenty two caliber bullet holes. The knife that was lodged into D matched the knives that were in the kitchen. Um, when I say D, also too, I didn't clarify this. D and Dolores are the same person. She goes by D. So I just wanted to say that. Sometimes I say Dolores. Sometimes I say D. So, uh, just little clarification. We appreciate it. Thank you. You are so welcome. Dee died of multiple stab wounds and had defensive wounds on her body. Mark died of multiple stab wounds and after he was paralyzed by the gunshot wound to his neck, according to forensic pathologists. Gross. Sorry, I just think about the blood. Yeah. Yeah, there was blood. Yeah. (sighs) All of this evidence pointed at someone that knew the family had even possibly been to the home before since there was no forced entry. Oh. Yeah. Detective asked neighbors who had been home in the area that morning if they had heard or seen anything, and no one had seen anything out of the ordinary. The only thing of note was one neighbor said that Francine was kind of wild. Hmm. And another neighbor said that she had a boyfriend, Francine had a boyfriend, that drove a really loud truck and was in and out of the house a few times during the week. The boyfriend was in and out of the house? I thought she wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to have a boyfriend. So she did have a boyfriend. Okay. She, that was kind of like back before, like they were kind of like. So she got older, they kind of like let up. They let up a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So she's got a man friend. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Drives the loud truck. I mean, as she's gotten older, I mean, you can't keep someone from having a boyfriend forever. I'm doing a very good job at that. So. (laughs) Congratulations. I'm just saying, you said it. I know. Well, well, I guess your parents can't keep you from not ever see having a boyfriend. I'm pretty sure this is their fault, but okay. (laughs) You hear that? (laughs) So, while doing deeper investigating at the step home, there were some interesting finds that made them go, hmm. Oh my God, you guys, she put her hand on her chin Uh and smirked to herself when she Hmm. did that. Things aren't always what they seem in a suburban middle class American dream. Quote, Mark, home. She's doing air quotes now. Air quotes. So there's a lot of motions you can't see. So basically, there were some things they found. They're like, what is this? There were some homemade VHS tapes that that they were going to take back and watch, which is what they usually do when they found that type of thing. This is back in the 80s, remember, at the department. Um, But tucked into the boxes of these VHS tapes were some pictures that fell out. And these pictures had some nudity. Oh, shit. Yeah. When they picked up these photos, they noticed that these photos were of Mark and Dee standing naked with their feet spread out like 
like an X almost, like their legs are spread apart, right? Okay. And their arms are up kind of like as an X. Okay. And then a teenage Francine was also naked upside down on her hands, and Dee was hanging on to one ankle, and Mark was hanging on to the other ankle, and the three of them were standing there in the photo naked. What did you just say? Yep. So they're holding their daughter, like, she's upside down naked, and they're each hanging on to one of her ankles, and they're kind of like in a, like... I know what the, the yep. picture mm-hmm. is, but... Yep. Huh? And that's kind of what I wrote. I go, uh, what? Yeah. Okay. So, so imagine finding this photo. They're like, huh? What? Yeah. Like, where do you find these weird ass stories you always come up with? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, my God. That was an interesting, that was an interesting tidbit as I was watching this. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. It's like that's what all of a sudden Molly's like, yep, this is a story I do. Yep. Yep, yep this, this'll do. Oh, my God. Okay. So when investigators asked Francine about the nude photos they found in the VH- VHS tapes, she was pretty open about it all. She told them that it was pretty widely known that their family were nudists. So let me get this straight. She was not allowed to have certain friends or boyfriends and could not go anywhere, but they were nudists. And her family was, her parents were very strict. Navy. They were from the, they were Navy. I, this is not adding up in my mind. Right, right. Very weird. She said that she didn't really like the lifestyle, but she had participated because she was part of the family. She would go to the nudist colonies with her parents, but she would rarely take off her clothes when she was there. Francine said that she did think it was odd, but she was never abused or sexually abused at all by her parents. Okay. The tension between Francine and her parents wasn't because of their lifestyle choices. It was because of hers. They didn't like her friends and particularly her new boyfriend, Frank Root. He was a bad boy and liked to drink. Frank Root, huh? Mm-hmm. What a name. Yeah. So next up, they had to talk to Frank. Frank Root. Luckily, he was already at the station. Oh. He had been picked up at the bar that night. Oh. Oh, Frank. God damn it, Frank. Frank, because he likes to drink, remember? During the interview, he really went back and forth with his, with his information and um, contradicted himself a lot. Which is never good to do. Remember that when you're getting questioned by the police, everyone. Oh, such great advice. Yeah. Try not to contradict See, yourself. This is an advice yep. podcast. That's we're self help. Frank thought that his relationship with Francine's parents was actually getting better though. According to Frank, he had just made peace with Mark the night before. He had gone over and visited with Mark the night of the homicide, so like that night before they were murdered. That's convenient. Yeah. And when then he had went home to his house with his parents, which his parents confirmed. So his alibi checked out. Okay. I know. Like, oh, okay. They still had to verify Francine's alibi, though. Next up for questioning, though, first was Cindy. Now, that's the neighbor girl. That's that's Francine's best friend. So she's, but she's not living next door right now, right? No, she she had just had gotten that new apartment. Got it. Okay. Yep. Former Stillwater Chief of Police Norman McNichol Ooh, that's a fun name, McNichol. Remember Cindy being a very talkative person and opposite personality than Francine. When Cindy was told why she was there and what was going on, that Francine's parents had been killed, instead of being sad or showing any sort of like sympathy, she got very defensive and started saying that she would get a lawyer and she's not playing anymore. I've had it and I've had a bad day. Cindy did not end up backing up Francine's alibi. Oh. Right away. Cindy confirmed that Mark and Dee seemed to be okay with Francine's current boyfriend, but they had still had issues with one of her ex-boyfriends, Joe Anthony. He was actually the son of a police officer in a, in a different agency in the area. Joe was goth and punk. She obviously... So this obviously freaked out the very traditional nudist parents of Francine's. The very traditional nudist parents. Yep. I added that in. That's great. Yeah. That's... So, yeah. so she did, and she did end up backing up Francine's alibi. Eventually, she like kind of went back and forth with like the police a little okay. bit with like what because she she was like trying to like I think she was trying to like kind of feel it out the situation a little bit because she was she didn't want to get pinned with anything, right? Um, so yeah, she you know told them about Joe Anthony that he was goth and punk. 
So, right, this freaked out Francine's parents, but the police needed to obviously still bring him in for questioning, too, because he was still somewhat tied to Francine, and he, you never know. An ex-boyfriend, you always have to question boyfriends and ex-boyfriends. the Anthony guy? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yep. So, Joe Anthony's interviewed, and he is cleared pretty quickly. There's really not much about okay. him. His father, actually, who was a police officer, actually ended up calling the station and said, you know, I kind of realized that you're probably going to be talking to Joe because, yeah. you know, he had dated Francine. I just want to let you know we were going to cooperate, you know. Oh, yeah, good. So he right away, he's like, you know. Here, he's take a, my kid. Talk well, to basically, him. he's like, I know how this goes. Yeah. You know, he's a police officer. Like, we're going to help out in any way that we can. Yeah. And, yeah, they he was cleared very quickly. Okay. So kind of out of people at this point. So those homemade VHS tapes, they were just some boring old traditional sex tapes, unfortunately. What? Yep. So just have some traditional sex tapes. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. These VHS tapes and the pictures that were inside of them, they found them just like in their family room or something? Or Yeah, just like in the home. So they just had their sex tapes out with their daughter that lives in that home. Yep. I don't. You know what? It was the 80s man. I don't give a shit. That's fucking weird. It is weird. All right. All right. I know. It is very weird. The 80s. I don't know. You know, sometimes I think that I'm struggling with my parenting and then I hear shit like this and I'm like, I'm all right. Yeah. I don't take photos with my (laughs) kid naked. No, absolutely not. He's, you know what? We're good. He's ten, and I'm like, listen, you you go take your shower by yourself. You get dressed by yourself. I don't I don't have to do any yep. of that anymore. Bye bye. Nope. I know. So yeah, yeah. So there's that. So there were no new leads from the videotapes, which is unfortunate. They were hoping to find maybe something on there that could give them any information, but there is really sold them or something. Well, who knows? I don't know. Such probably in evidence somewhere. Somewhere, they probably got destroyed. Right. More air, quote, more air quotes. More air quotes. Yeah. There's, they're in someone's basement. possession. They're in someone's basement. Yeah. So where do the police go from here? I just had the greatest thought. What if you were to, like, buy an old VHS from, like, Goodwill or whatever? Like, oh, I have this old VHS player. And it's, like, you know, Donald Duck's Great Adventures or whatever. Yeah. And then you go to put it in for your kids. But it's just some weird sex acts oh it 100 percent could be because people would re would record over things all the time yeah interesting we should start looking at those when we go thrifting we would have to get a vhs player they're five dollars we can get one we'll have to (laughs) okay we might have one still actually stay tuned folks we'll tell you all about that we'll let you know how it goes (laughs) so of course the rumor mill started to swirl. Oh, just a spinning. Well, I mean, all of this stuff was just starting to get out. Yeah. One crazy rumor was that they were part of a satanic cult and that they were either trying to leave it so they were killed or they were the sacrifice. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Right. But, okay, sure. Another one was that they were part of a sex club. I mean, that's a clear, yeah. Right. But how does that get you murdered? I mean, then I this was because of their nudist lifestyle that they had. So naturally, people assumed that they were swapping partners and were swinging at they and that yeah. they were in a sex club. All these rumors were investigated because the police had to well, investigate yeah. stuff. Yeah, nothing else to go on. Either. But they were all dead ends. They didn't lead anywhere, and they weren't true. Okay. Finally, though, June twenty second, they had a solid lead. Okay. A neighbor claims to have seen Francine driving her black Camaro on the night of the murder morning around 1 a.m. Okay. This is a time when Francine and Cindy were supposed to be at Cindy's apartment. Uh Uh-oh. The neighbor had no doubt that it was Francine that she saw. Uh Uh-oh. With this new evidence, they needed to bring Francine back in for questioning to see what she had to say about this 1 a.m. joyride. Francine doesn't have too much to say when investigators ask her about being spotted, and she closes up and her body language totally starts to change. It's at this point that investigators thought that there was a good chance that Francine was somehow involved in this crime. If you are trying to help solve the case and help find 
who murdered your parents, you are not going to forget important information like this or lie about it. Right. Okay. Okay. Something's going on here. Something's going on here. Then investigators started to talk to other friends and classmates of Francine. This is when they find out some shocking news. There are rumors that Francine and Cindy had contacted an individual in the community to kill both sets of parents, and then they would pay them with the inheritance. Oh, my God. And I compared myself to Cindy. You sure did. Since both girls were only children, they would be set to inherit the money in the estate once the parents were gone. The person that they were supposedly in contact with was named Jackie Myers. Jackie confirms that he was contacted and approached by the two girls. They don't believe that Jackie had anything to do with the murder, but they are now convinced that Francine and most likely Cindy did have something to do with it. Oh my goodness. What a turn. Yep. So now they decide to bring Cindy back into the station for another round of questioning. The investigators tell her that it's over and that they're that they know that they have some information. Yeah. That they, you know, that they can do that they need to get her to admit it though. Eventually, it works. She cracks and and tells them that a few months earlier that she was having problems at home and that she was no longer welcome there. So Dee had said that she could stay at their house since she and Fran- was Francine's best friend. Soon, Mark and Dee were over Cindy's behavior, though. Cindy didn't follow their household rules. She had her boyfriend over when she wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. So Cindy was told that she had to move out. Mark and Dee then told Francine that she was no longer allowed to be friends and see oh, Cindy. Oh, dear. They were supposed to see each other at all anymore. This made them wonder what life would be like without their parents. Ah. Uh. They were over being controlled and told what they could and couldn't do by their parents. The original plan was to kill each other's parents. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Cindy said this was all just fantasy, and she thought that she had talked Francine out of actually doing it. Oh, she's changing that now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Investigators needed some physical evidence, however. June 30th, they brought in Luminol. <gasps> yep. My favorite. This is, so 1988, this is a pretty new yeah. techno- love- technology. Would you call it a technology? Yeah. This is a yeah. pretty new technology, though, for I the time. I love watching Forensic Files because this is, like, older and everything. Mm-hmm. And then when the way that guy says Luminol, I just... Yep. So beautiful. Yeah. So this is exactly what they needed to really like crack open the case. Down the hallway, they discovered what the investigation had been lacking. There were two distinct sets of footprints. One set goes to the front door and one went to the back door. They took this evidence to the district attorney, but that's where they were told that they needed a solid confession. And Cindy's wasn't a solid enough confession to saying that they actually murdered someone. Right. July 13th, Francine comes back to the station with her grandfather. This time, though, she has a different attitude and doesn't take any sort of accusations and walks right out of the room and right out of the the police department and won't answer any more questions. Her grandfather then comes in and the detective told him that he believes that Francine knows more than what she is telling them and that it will eat her up inside and that she will never be at peace if she does not talk to them about it. Somehow, her grandfather convinces Francine to come back in and talk to investigators. When she's finally ready to talk, she says that she just wanted to be herself. She wanted to move away from her parents, and they had said that if she moved out, that they wouldn't help pay for college. So this was frustrating for her, but her parents forbidding her from seeing and hanging out with her best friend was the last straw that put her over the edge and she couldn't take her parents over controlling ways anymore. On June 8th, she and Cindy, around 2 a.m., they they snuck into the house and Cindy kicked the door open and yelled at her at the parents and Francine said the gun just started going off. Francine went numb and all that she had built up inside of her from her parents' rules and controlling her exploded and she shot. She doesn't remember a lot of the details from when it happened. In the interview, she said, though, that Cindy was standing right beside her. 
So was Cindy doing anything? Mm-mm. Just standing there? Mm-hmm. She, Cindy, like, kicked the door open, apparently. Hmm. But, yeah. They, they then took the gun, they put it in the bag, and threw it in Boomer Lake. Afterwards, they went back to Cindy's apartment, then Francine later went back home and then reported the crime to her neighbor, which was Cindy's mom. They did still have plans to kill Cindy's parents once all of the investigation died down. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, if I were, oh. Yeah. If I were Cindy's parents, I'd get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, no kidding. Can you imagine, like, yeah. me and Cindy's parents and hearing this? Yeah, we're like, well, all right. Well, <laughs> all right, honey. I think that we're going to move away yeah, now. You have a good life. <laughs> we'll see you later, sucker. Jesus Bye. Christ. Yeah. After Francine confesses, they bring Cindy in. Cindy says that after she kicked the door in and Francine shot, her dad went down and her mom yelled, Francine, and I just ran. I didn't know what else to do. I was scared. I just ran. I ran over to my parents' house by the bush, which didn't line up with the forensic evidence of the luminol. Still, with the confessions, they had enough to arrest both girls for two charges of first-degree murder. Ooh. In October of 1988, they chose plea deals over trials. Cindy's charge was taken down to conspiracy to commit murder. Um, and Francine pled, was, well, she pled guilty. I mean, I mean, she pled she guilty. Did. Yeah, yeah, she did. She pled guilty. Guilty of sin. Yeah, I mean, she did it. Back. Cindy got 10 years and Francine um, got back-to-back life sentences. Cindy was released. Damn. Yeah. Cindy was released in 1995 after serving seven years, and that much is... Did she go home to her parents? And they lived so happy together. No, I, I, there was, like, no information about Cindy. Oh, I'm sure. Cindy. They, probably, they probably took the fuck out I of think there. Cindy just, like, fell off the face of the earth after this because, like... Well, and, you know, I've read a lot about, like, the programs in, in prisons, obviously, mm-hmm. recently, and... There's a chance that what if maybe she was able to reconcile with her yeah. parents and put all this shit behind them and maybe they did, you know, people do get rehabilitated. I mean, that is the the point of the prison system yeah. is to re- rehabilitate people. And I mean, so, and technically, she she didn't do. She didn't do it. Do it. But it, it, it's just that whole thought process. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to, like, let my child back in my home as an oh. adult. I don't know. And yeah. be like, hey, yeah, you can stay with us. And then, like, you have to sleep with one eye open for the rest of your life. But again, I they only might have, have one eye right now. I mean, that, oh, that was a really bad part. Thanks on my a lot part. for bringing that up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's really a touchy subject for me. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if they would have been able to work things out. But I mean, it is their child, too. So who knows? That's, yeah. If anyone knows, I want to know what happened to them. Yeah. Okay. So Francine was incarcerated at the Mabel Bassett Correctional Center in 1988 and was convicted on the two counts of murder in the first degree. She was up for parole hearings in 2006, 2009, 2012, and 2015 and was denied every time. Good. One of those times in July of 2012 when she was up for parole, she was said to be well-behaved, productive, and who and she posed little risk. Um that did show that she had three misconduct reports. Uh, the most recent was in 1991. Her work evaluation said she had been outstanding, um, that she had zero being low risk and more than six being high risk, that she was scored a zero, that she was like very low risk, um, no record of violent behavior or any substance abuse that she had completed all recommended programs, and she also had earned an associate's degree in business in 2009. Okay. So, you know, my response to that is, cool, does any of that say about how her parents came back to life and went on to live great lives? Right. No. No. So, I don't give a shit what you've done behind nope. bars. You killed two people who loved you in oh, a right. brutal, brutal manner. I get you had fucking parent problems. Oh, I get it. But you fucking took their lives. Oh, 100%. You should not be trying to get a well, life when and you- she is not- She's been denied every time. Good. So I don't. It, just, it makes me so. You know that this I is don't, like my biggest pet peeve. And I Oklahoma is pretty tough. Yeah. Is good. from what I understand too. So I, I do not believe that she'll be getting out. Um, and according to the corrections record, she's still incarcerated. So I. Good. I yeah. I A lot of things that. that I read too about this. Um, they question without Cindy, would this have ever happened? People feel like Cindy kind of lit a fire. 
underneath Francine because she was kind of the one that. It's possible. You know what I mean? Like kind of brought Francine out of her shell a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. I don't. I, I, don't. I don't know. I feel like yeah, they were definitely overbearing parents for sure. Yes. And that doesn't help anything. No. I mean, how many times have you heard about people that were raised that way and then snap? Right. So. And, it, I, and I mean, it could have happened with or without Cindy. Maybe it yeah. happened sooner with her. You know, having someone to talk to, like, maybe we should do this. You know, like. I don't know. See, in all of the times yeah. I've been angry at people, never once have I thought to myself, what if I just killed them? Yeah. Like. Oh, right. That's just, to me, it's just. Oh, no. Especially my parents yeah. or somebody that I love. Like, that's the part that it never gets. I cannot figure out how people go from being angry at somebody to murdering them. No. I know. I don't know. I know. Which makes me happy that I don't have those thoughts because sometimes I wonder about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I I not sure about that either. I so do you have those thoughts? No, no, I do not. But okay, I'm I'm just about Cindy, the whole Cindy thing. I mean Yeah, that's a it's I mean, who how can you ever you can't ever prove You can it. never know. So so but yeah. Either way, Cindy's all I wonder if they're still off. friends. I wonder if they if like she writes to her or visits oh, her. Hey, house house prison. I'm out. I'm out living my life. Yeah, because so. I didn't actually kill my parents. Cause I didn't actually do our plan that we talked about that time that we were just like joking around, like yeah, oh, we should I'll kill our parents because this I, sucks. And I just stood there and watched you kill your parents, but we were just joking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either way, they still got the gun and like went into the house. Yeah, it was so. It even talking about it to me is just like right too far. Oh, absolutely. But, like, Ugh, they also so got disgusting. the gun and went into the house and, yeah, like, you went, had a plan. Yeah. And yes. So. And then you lied about it. And then lied and hid the gun. Yeah. And like, like, no, yeah. you're just as guilty, you little bitch. You are. So. Totally are. Seven years is a very low sentence. In oh, my, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. So. But. So now we talk about the house. We had a hard time finding information about this. Word. The episode I watched on Snap did not talk about the address or anything really about the house. All the articles online had no information about the house. Robin was able to find the address, well, an address, which wasn't even necessarily the right address. So sometimes over time, street names change. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I notice they change when a horrific crime happens on the street. Actually, three of the ones we've done have And it's not like a significant change. It'll stay. It's like it's almost it changes from like street to avenue or it changes like a direction. And yeah. So and I didn't know this until I read about it. But did you know that avenue and street and court and all that kind of stuff depends on the amount of houses and the layout of the road? Absolutely. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think you would. So actually, that's all. So it's very possible that it might have became an (laughs) avenue because it turned into an avenue because whatever, depending on that area what they consider an avenue. But yeah, that's why I, because I questioned one day, I'm like, what's the difference between a road and a street? Yeah, like why? Yeah. And I, that's, it's all based off of different locations, but yeah. Yeah. So that's a fun fact that I read about. Right. So when we, when Robin found this originally, it was um, the street. Yeah. But now we found this address as avenue. Yeah. So, so we're going with that. That's what it is now. We think that based off of, the background check that I ran, yeah. it was it was street at one point. And how do we say this again? Arapaho. Arapaho. So the house is located at 612 West Arapaho Avenue, Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's a three-bedroom, 1.5 um, bathroom home on a 0.33-acre lot that was built in 1962 with a one-car garage. It's currently off the market. Last time it was sold was... Um, March 1st, 2007 for $85,000. Current estimates put the home around 165 if it was sold in today's market. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. So, yeah. And, and that's about all that we have on it. So, yeah, no. And it's on, uh, my favorite part is that it's on a wrap a hoe. A wrap a hoe. So, because I like saying it. I said yeah. it, I said it in my car over and over again. And I did send out in, um, a request for some more information on this. So, if I do get any more information on this home, I will definitely um, give a little update on it yeah. in, a for, in a future episode, too. Perfect. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's an interesting case. I, I got to say, yeah. I, I think it was actually necessarily going to go back to the daughter. 
for a while there just because of her reaction right. to the murder. So great job. I think that her reaction, I think it was more of a, like, I can't believe I actually did, did this. this. Yeah. Because, like, so. in, the, in the Snapped episode, they made a big point to say that, like, she was, like, cr- sitting on the, the porch of the neighbor's yeah. house just, like, crying. But, like, when they would come over to her, it's like she would put on more of a show almost. Yeah. So I think that. I think that she was in a bit of a shock. And I think that I do think that she loved her parents, but I think that she, I think that she did snap. I think that yeah. she just, hence the, the show. I think that it was a good name for the show. The show. I think they did a good job naming it. So good job it's for them. Too bad. But yeah, it, it's too bad. They seemed like, I mean, seemed like, I, they seem like good people. They, they had some interesting things to their life. Nudist Navy folks. That's just a new one for me. So taking naked pictures with their daughters is a interesting, you know, yeah thing. I don't agree I, I with. Don't really think that's. A good I don't thing. understand the nudist lifestyle. I don't. So if that's a thing that nudists do, by all means, I guess do your thing. I or don't no. know. I know you're the nicer one of this group here. I but, sure am. But what no. was my thing? I said. Oh my god, Molly said the funniest thing. What was it? You said uh, I was talking about something earlier about uh, oh my a work thing, and I said, you know, I like to kill him with kindness, and Robin just likes to kill him. Yep. <laughs> That's so true, though. It's like the perfect way to yeah, describe it. That's us. the way that we do it. Like with business stuff, like I'll kill him with kindness. Like I'll do what I can to go out of my way and just like make sure everyone's taken care of and Robin will just kill him. Yep. Just tell him to fuck off. Yep. And so. I'm like, I'm like, what can I do? I'll make this better. I'll, I'm so sorry, you know. And Robin's like, nope, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> kill him. Yep. So. And I'm like, oh, what can I, what can yeah, I do? It's, it, it was. Yeah. It, I, I'm surprised it took us this long to realize it, but that is the most accurate way to describe you mm-hmm. and I. So. Yeah. And I mean, both things are good in certain situations. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. We really are. We're a great team. Yeah. You need. You, you need. You boost up the nudists. I tell them to fuck off. Put well, your clothes back on. Listen. Eat to each their own. <laughs> I just don't want to see it. Oh, I don't want to either. <laughs> Absolutely not. You keep that. You keep that in the, your home. Yeah, keep it in your home. Or your colony. I don't care what you do in your home or in colony. your colony, but I don't want to see it. No, I don't want to come there. <laughs> so, yeah, that was really great. Yeah, good story. Okay, thanks, Molly. You're welcome. All right, folks. You know the routine. You gotta join our Facebook group. Home is where the murder is. And if you have uh, Instagram, be sure to follow us. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gmail, let's uh, get some mail from you. Maybe some ideas for research, or if you have anything to add to previous episodes, we yep. love that. Home is where the murder is at gmail.com. And do not forget to check out our website, www.homeiswherethemurderis.com. Yes. And don't forget to call Aaron Schmitz and get yourself into a new home today. Yep. And if you are looking for a home around the country, we can help you with that, too. We have some great referrals that we can help you out with. Yep. The best realtors are home is where the murder is, realtors. Just remember that. Yep. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday. We love you. Bye.